1: FM Talk Podcast.
2: Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. My name is Bo Matthews, and next to me is uh, Mark Cox, my co-host for this program. We thank you for tuning in. And if you're thinking, I've never heard this radio show before, Second Amendment Radio, how, how can that happen? Well, you know what? It's still free. We're still free in America, and we still have this program at least this week. You bet. Well, since you're listening to it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, this was the weekend I was going to take my, uh, my new winnings out to the range, and then I see the forecast, I'm like... <sighs> I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. Just but, go
1: to the range, Saint Louis West. Uh, they have an indoor shooting range you can go to.
2: Can you bring an AR in there for sure, shooting? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. well then, okay. Thank you very much for that tip. Uh, I mean, you're I'll not you're been, not
1: uh, shooting at um, 150 yards, but I mean, it's a 50 mm-hmm. yard range and plenty of plenty of oh, space yeah. to sight it up. You've got a new new optic for it, right?
2: I, you know, a, a friend uh, who is also in the drawing like you are uh, gave me this. Uh, I don't even know the brand of it, man. What, oh, yeah, no, It's a Monstrum uh, scope, and uh, all it needed was a battery. And, uh, man, I, ju- I can't wait. I just can't wait to try it out. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> Except, plus, so, there's
1: another drawing on Monday, right?
2: Um, Yes, yeah, there sure, is. Thank you for 14. reminding us. Uh, for yeah. the Year of Guns uh, drawing for the Eureka Police Officer Support Fund. Now, DOCS is closed on that day. They're closed on Mondays out in Eureka. But uh, we will uh, arrange to get that drawing done. Hopefully, Father Leo will pull... Hmm. The Mark Coxton out of it. The- <laughs> now, well, lots, that lots would of names be fixed. in there. Yeah, that that
1: yeah, I, that would be weird. But anyway, <laughs> as long as you have a priest doing it, you're safe because nobody who's involved in the auction is the one who's actually the raffle right. pulling the names.
2: Hundred percent. So we're good. Yeah, we're legit. We're all,
1: we're all good. Yeah. That's good. So last weekend here on the show, we talked about the uh, fishing expo over at the Gateway Convention Center in Collinsville, and I got to thinking, you know what? Um, I think I'm going to take my grandson over there because he had an indoor fishing pond set up, Mm -hmm. and our friend Scott Isringhausen from the Illinois Department of Conservation was over there. So I I took my my grandson over there last Friday. Had a great time. And how old is he? He's two and a half.
2: Oh, did he get it?
1: He— (laughs) <laughs> he had no idea what i was talking about till i took him in there and he started watching other people pulling these live fish at and he was fascinated by it and awesome. i'll have to send you the video we uh, scott set us up and they bait the hook for you and they let the kid hold on to the pole and first fish he pulls out of there he he gets this horrified look on his face when we bring the fish toward him, and he ran behind my back to That's hide. That's a fish. Oh. <laughs> but, but, but by the time we were done, because they had like 1,600 bluegill in this little pond that they had set up, you, couldn't, you probably could have scooped your hand in. like The water was blue. You couldn't see below the surface intentionally, but you probably could have scooped your hand in and brought a fish out. There were so many fish in there. It was impossible not to catch one. So by the time That's we awesome. left- I was trying to get him to kiss the fish and get a picture of it, and he was having none of that, but I did finally get him to reach out and touch the tail, so I'm turning him into a fisherman, whether he knows it or not. Slowly, but Starting at two and a half. The addiction
2: begins. Yep, that's awesome. The big fish Uh, legend continues. (laughs) Yeah, and you're going to have to come up with a a nickname for him, like Big Guppy or something like that. Yeah, the
1: Guppy. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's good.
2: No, you know what? You've just done... That young boy, the greatest uh, favor in the world, because now uh, you are teaching a man to fish. Now he will be able to feed himself fish sticks for the rest of his life. I know, <laughs> and, it's awesome. Uh, it's because of you.
1: <laughs> we had a great experience, great grandpa uh, grandson uh, bonding out there. So thanks to uh, Scott and Jamie and all those folks, uh, it was it was a lot of fun.
2: It does okay? So did you? Does he have his own fishing pole yet? No. No. Or no, no. I'll, okay. I'll get that so for Snoopy him. Ball. This
1: summer, before probably his birthday is in May. This summer, before I take him out to Bush Wildlife to one of the real ponds, uh, I'm going to get him his own little where fishing Where he will not be as lucky as he did just nah. throwing in a cast and then catching but a fish. He'll, he'll catch plenty of fish out there. They've they've got some of those small ponds that that are pretty stocked right there, close to where you you go to check in. And um, I've had birthday parties out there with nephews, and I know that you can catch them. So.
2: Well, I found the place you can get them a fishing pole. I could not believe how big. And now, we interviewed the manager of the Bass Pro that opened up in Sunset Hills uh, the week prior to them opening up. Remember that? They had lots of people yeah. out Uh huh. I had not been in there until just this week. And... Uh, Let me tell you, their fishing section, just the fishing pole and reel section, is probably as big as any of the other departments, whether it's the guns or the boats and RVs. I mean, there are so many uh, rods and reels there, plus all the technology of depth finders and fish finders and all that. Um, But uh, just a hats off to Dick Tate. He was a guy that was working there, and he was trying to sell us on the Big Cedar Lodge, experience, all that stuff, which I don't vacation, so I I didn't talk to him about that. But... He was standing right next to the tank where they have those big fish, right? Are
1: you the one that went swimming in that?
2: I was going to say, so I peeled off my clothes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Dude, was that not the weirdest thing? I don't know. What location was that of Bass Pro?
1: I don't don't remember. It wasn't in the state of Missouri. No, it was somewhere else. Okay. Mm. Uh, uh, uh,
2: Yeah, that, that... Well, and actually, Dick had mentioned that video, and as I'm looking at the tank, I see this yellow hose going down to the bottom of it, and there was a gal that was in there cleaning the tank while we were there. She was in there scrubbing the walls, and, See, and the fish were around her. That guy could have gotten I, a job. Had,
1: instead, he it got was, drunk and jumped in the water. Alabama. It was Alabama. There of course go. it
2: was Alabama. That makes <laughs> sense. So so I gave Dick uh, a, a a a suggestion to pass up the chain of Bass Pro that all you have to do to, because these people jumping in these tanks, is it's a regular experience. It's a regular occurrence. Put some piranhas in there. <laughs> Just put they some need piranhas in there. Else. You got nothing well, that's true, but yeah. you'd have no worry about some naked dude jumping in. That I was just get weird.
1: this. So I've got a friend uh who is going to Brazil and he's gonna go fishing in the Amazon. <laughs> Wow. Isn't okay. that cool? That's piranha. And, well, it is piranha. So I'm like, D- stay out of the water. He goes, don't worry, dude. They're going down to catch. I forget which kind of fish he told me it was. But if you, they're 17 or, he said, if you catch one above 18 pounds, you're in record territory. So these must, oh. the, the 8, 10, 12 pounds are pretty normal for the it's a, a kind of bass that they catch out of the Amazon. So isn't that exciting? That's crazy. I know.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. Um, So, yeah, if you've never been to that Bass Pro in Sunset Hills, uh, i guess what day was i there uh, to, uh wednesdays i guess maybe the day they get in there and clean the time i mean scuba outfit and everything it was pretty cool that, um cool experience though, that for sure. that
1: is an expensive trip for me i i cannot walk <laughs> into one of those places and not walk out with something
2: <laughs> well uh and and also hats off to them for their gun department they've got a huge huge back wall just filled with every kind of firearm you can think of were it you was, looking for it was,
1: accessories or what what were you shopping for
2: Everything. 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 Yeah. Okay. I, I was just, you know, seeing what was available. I was on my way to a lunch and I thought, ooh, I got time. I'm going to swing in here. So that Did, was a good experience. Is that
1: where you picked up the ammo?
2: No, no, oh, no. Okay. No. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, it, we didn't talk about Illinois, the Supreme Court.
1: Oh, true. That, yeah. They, they, I mean, once again, they denied. They denied the, the appeal. Now, this appeal was a little different because it wasn't, it, it, It questioned whether or not the couple of the Supreme Court justices should have recused themselves in Illinois before deciding that this law was stood up to the Constitution, because the lawsuit alleges... And I guess it's true that they were both supported by anti-gun groups in their election to the Illinois Supreme Court. And even J.B. Pritzker apparently donated to a couple of their campaigns. And the argument was the Supreme Court should take up whether or not those justices should have recused themselves from that decision. And uh, just like the previous case uh, brought by one of the gun rights groups, the Supreme Court denied an immediate review. So, in other words... They're just going to allow these cases to work their way through the appeals process till they get to the court, and one of them probably will, and it's probably not going to be the case from Illinois that gets there first. It's going to be a case from a different state, according to my friends at Armed American Radio, Mark Walters, but that decision that they make, when they repudiate these states' ability to deprive you, to infringe upon your Second Amendment rights, that will affect our friends in Illinois. So... However, it happens. I hope it happens soon.
2: So, uh, so it's not completely dead because I read that there's uh, there's a chance that they'll take up another challenge in that same law later this year. So yes, we're not completely yeah, no. out of the woods. It, right? it
1: simply means that they weren't going to let th- w- these groups leapfrog it straight to the Supreme Court. It's still working its yeah. way through the court process, and I think Ugh. we have enough common sense constitutional. Conservatives on the court now that there's not going to let these just random bans stand because it does infringe on the rights of American citizens.
2: It does. It does. The headline was uh, SCOTUS denies one appeal of the Illinois assault weapons ban while another awaits. I think they, the, the, the thinking uh, needs to change. It needs to be uh, defense weapons. Just yeah. I keep saying that, but it's true. When you think about it, if you're law-abiding, you own a gun, that's a defense weapon in your hand.
1: I'm with you. Hey, coming up okay. on Second Member Radio on the Great Outdoors, I can't say this as well as Bo Matthews, but Monster Jam is coming up, and we're going to talk <laughs> to one of the greatest of all time from Monster Jam when we come back.
2: Somebody
3: truck in a farmer's field, no
2: trespass sign. Second Time Amendment Radio and the great outdoors. I'm Bo Matthews never. with Mark Cox. Thank you for tuning into the show. We ask you to share the show uh, with people that may not know about the show. And it doesn't have to be just here in the St. Louis area. It can be on the Odyssey app anywhere in the world. This segment is brought to you by Razorback Armory where they are featuring uh, a great selection of the Sig Legion series, uh, the custom works. You need to stop in and see what they've got to offer at Razorback Armory in De Pair on Manchester Road, just east of 270. Find them at RazorbackArmory.com. And now we uh, have kind of the, uh, I guess you could call it this part of the great outdoors indoors, uh, because <laughs> one of the cool events that everybody looks forward to when the temperatures drop is, is Monster Jam, and Tom Mentz is uh, from Paxton, Illinois, and he is here, and this is going to be his final Monster Jam competition after more than 30 years within the sport. Uh, If you know the truck, Max D, he is the greatest of all time. Welcome, Tom. How are you, buddy?
3: Man, I'm so pumped up. I I can't even contain myself now just hearing you talk about it. You got me so excited, (laughs) so worked up. I can't wait to get to the temple in America Sunday. Center
2: and tear it down. You know, Tom, I've often said that the Dome, because when the Rams left, it's like you know what? Let's just make that Monster Jam Capital of the World uh, because you guys come there every year. But I think you guys could do four or six events a year. Uh, wouldn't you agree? The crowd shows up in droves.
3: They come out in big numbers for both days, you know. And now we've made it two days, you know, for quite a while now, but. It is the best building for Monster Jam. You have the huge pit area where we can work off on trucks out back. But then the floor is the largest floor that we compete on. I mean, a lot of room for big stunts, big tricks. A lot of people ask me, what's the best event to go see? And I'm like, St. Louis, St. Louis. (laughs) I I say that. I mean, huge floor. Great facility. People do come from all around to go to that event. Well, I think
1: it's awesome. And, uh, Tom, you've been at this for a long time. How has Monster Jam changed over the the 30
3: years you've been part of it? It's changing every day. But over the last 30 years, I mean, it's incredible, you know, to go from driving monster trucks slowly over stacks of cars to (laughs) flying through the air 35-foot high doing amazing backflips and craziest tricks that I never thought would be even possible, it's made a
2: huge change. And it's like every sport because, you know, back in the day that, you know, I I just watched a a documentary on Evel Knievel and he was taking a Harley, I think maybe even had a Triumph at one point, but he was taking a, you know, and and making a jump over, you know, seven buses, which was cool, but it was a straight line. Now you got these freaks out there doing triple backflips and, you know, Superman letting go of the bike completely. I I think monster uh, trucks have done the same kind of elevation because now you're seeing reels on Instagram that... These trucks are doing cartwheels and all kinds of stuff, right? Crazy stuff, you know, and it's a lot of it has to do with Monster Jam University, you know,
3: nearby in Illinois, you know, right by my house. You know, being able to take young talent, giving them the tools they need to practice, to train, to get better. Every part of that makes the sport better. But, you know, it is it is amazing. I mean, now you're balancing <clears throat> trucks on the front tires only, maneuvering all around the stadium or the side two tires and then backflips or you know still everybody loves backflips but you're taking a 12,000 pound truck and flipping it over backwards and landing back on the tires the crazy part about it people still don't mind that think about is at some point you've got 12,000 pounds above your head
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it is amazing you know you you mentioned uh, monster jam university it, 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 Every sport that I've ever been involved with, from, from myself to my kids, to it, it, there's, a, there's an expense related to all of it. I can't imagine what some of these trucks must cost. How, how do you
3: get the next generation involved in this? That's it. I mean, you know, getting them involved, getting them to like it, getting them to love it, getting them to send in an application to Monster Jam University, you know, getting the opportunity to do an audition with them. And then evaluating them on what they're great at, what they could use, work at, and then you start training. And then, you know, I mean, think of it. You walk up to a 12-foot tall, 12-foot wide, 12,000-pound, 1,500-horsepower machine and say, okay, now you need to learn how to drive that. <laughs> and when you learn how to drive it, you need to be spectacular. I mean, what a so- hurdle to clear right from the beginning.
2: That's so cool. You know, in the culture of the fans, uh, they come out and a lot of times they get a chance to be around uh, the drivers and the and the vehicles up close and the pit parties that are available at monsterjam.com. Um, but, uh, you know, because you guys break so much, Tom, um, do you have to be a mechanic to be a driver or do you get a mechanic when you become a driver?
3: Yeah, I mean, it helps if you're a driver and you were a mechanic. That's not too commonplace anymore. Obviously, it is. For me, I was a mechanic before I even got into monster trucks. So, But yeah. back then, you had to know how to work on the machinery and keep it running just to be a driver. But now it's not necessary. We have highly trained technicians from University of Northwestern Ohio. They work on these trucks constantly, and they'll be super busy with the two events we'll have in St. Louis making sure these machines will come back and run just as hard on day two as they do day one i mean it's pretty commonplace now i mean we carry engines transmissions every single part you need on that truck we have it in the trailer that's amazing
1: we're talking to tom mintz uh, of course the the goat from monster jam competition he's 14 world champion titles that that's pretty darn impressive what what's
3: i I don't want you to Sit still on that because it's going to be 15 after this oh, year. So. nice! <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I I know the
1: age range of of the people in the audience is is vast because you've had people that have been fans for 30 years and they're bringing their grandkids now and all that stuff. How about the drivers? Like, uh, is there is there an age at which you decide I'm not going to do this anymore? I mean, is that are you this is your final competition or have you finally reached that that point? And because you've got 18 year olds that are climbing up your rear end or what?
3: Well, I still have the ability, I do, and I can still <laughs> win and I do that often. But you know to be honest with you, at 56 years old, it's probably not the smartest thing for me to still be doing it and I am quite a bit older <laughs> next closest driver, but I love that fact, you know, but most important for me for me is everybody has their time. You know this in all sports, you got to quit at some point you're not going to be able to keep up with the rigorous you know activity but you know most important for me is I want to go out on top
2: yeah and, and you probably will on the top of your truck uh, maybe on the roof uh, you <laughs> never know uh, they call you the professor uh, uh, Tom Mintz and let's talk about the Monster Jam University You're gonna be a woke University like a lot of the ones around the country uh, what are you doing to avoid that
3: no no we <laughs> everything we do there is real everything there has to happen for a reason You know the number one (laughs) thing we work on is safety, and you know the number two thing we work on, which is a distant second, is certainly entertainment value. I mean, we want the fans to get the most entertainment for their dollar they spend, and they do. And you know, I mean, what other event do you go to and you get to see a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar monster Jam truck, thirty five foot in the hot air, and quite possibly be worth about two hundred and fifty dollars by the end of the night <laughs>
2: that's, that's, <laughs> that's the goal in yeah. some cases yeah uh you know yeah, you know yeah, it, I mean, it,
3: you look at it this way i mean you know being entertainment is the number you know entertaining driver is the number one goal not a good driver you know entertaining so whether you do great or you do bad a lot of times it's still entertaining
1: yeah. So you continue the professor side of this after uh, after you're done here with uh, Monster Jam. You're going to keep teaching and keep getting people involved in the sport?
3: Absolutely. I mean, that's what fuels my fire now. And, a of a course, stunt coordinator, you know, I've done all the crazy big stunts. I want to help others reach their goals. Uh, you know, it's cool to still be involved. I've loved it forever, and I will love it forever.
2: Well, I'm I'm dear friends with the original monster truck, Bigfoot, out in Pacific is where their headquarters are. Did you ever run against them, or did you ever run with them uh, out of Bigfoot? Absolutely.
3: Earlier in my career, I did, you know, a long time ago. I mean, certainly was a fan as well, you know. I know all them fellas really good, Jim Kramer, Bob Chandler, and all the drivers, you know. I talked to Jim Kramer not too long ago. You know, he had his final ride, they called it. It, it was cool yeah. to you know hear about that and having a chance to speak with him uh always someone that I looked up to uh oh, both those guys incredible
2: so you can actually you can actually go to Monster Jam University get a diploma and become a Monster Jam uh driver um, it, it, can we talk, uh, uh, is it tuition? Is it, it just a dream? How, how do we, or how do we get more information? Can we send people to that? Cause I know there's young people out there that are like, I got these big tires on my truck. I'm awesome. But then you think, uh, well, I'd like to drive one of those. How do I do that?
3: Get on MonsterJam.com, Get some information, send yourself in an application, have a great likable story, uh, have the great ability <laughs> to do that type of you know job uh you know maybe you'll get a chance to meet me one day and i'll get to evaluate you yeah you know, i mean there's a lot of people who came through there it's uh pretty much commonplace now every driver that comes to monster jam has to go through there be evaluated make sure they have the safety skill set to get the job done and be entertaining so so i have to ask
1: tom during your years at monster jam do you remember bow Bowfoot.
2: Bowfoot. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so, I do not. So,
1: do Bo, not. Bo just sent me a picture of his truck on the floor at the dome. How long ago was that, Bo? Uh,
2: that was probably ninety uh, nine, maybe two thousand. Oh, okay. I had a, right. a Chevy Kodiak up on big tires. It was a street legal monster truck, and in honor of uh, the monster truck world, I I named it Bowfoot. Um, and I drove that truck for, Mark, don't give me crap, man. I drove that thing for 21 years on the streets of St. Louis and people would use it as, Hey, I'll meet you at the big truck at the concert or whatever it was. And so there was a couple of times I get to, I got to go on the floor of monster jam and drive it around. It was gosh, what a thrill that was. We had a group called land of the giants. that was here at Tom. I don't know if you remember them.
3: I do. I do remember. I mean, I was there in 99. I was probably in bulldozer at that time, but I do, you know, remember, (laughs) Used to see a lot of trucks down on the floor. No, that's pretty much where, that's exactly where I cut my teeth at, you know. I went from, yep. you know, just having a big truck, driving it on the street, and then playing in the mud, and going on to be a professional <laughs> mud racer, and then graduated to Big Monster Jam. I mean,
2: yeah. What a career. That's, it's a cool story, Tom-
3: you know, and to be able to do that for over 30 years, crazy
2: yeah tom uh, uh, were you like uh, have you been like uh evil can evil have you broken every bone in your body and you've survived and gone on to, to shoot again you know to jump again
3: so i've definitely had my share of bangs and bruises for sure <laughs> and a lot of monday morning rheumatism <laughs> definite fact <laughs> but uh you know i mean that's what i mean i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world you know
2: i mean i bet
3: it's part of it you know like evil it's just you know, a mark you get to get the mark you got.
1: <laughs> That's the truth. Well, Tom, I tell you what, I want to remind people, uh, Monster Jam coming up Saturday, January 27th at 7, and again Sunday, January 28th at 3. It's at the Dome and America Center. The tickets for the pit party and everything available at MonsterJam.com. And, sir, it's an honor talking to you. Congratulations on uh, what is still a fantastic career that is about to come to an end
3: after this season, right yes yeah, correct but most importantly when you talk about the at america center say the greatest venue for monster jam events make sure you add awesome. that in there
2: uh, all right tom thank you so much good luck to you enjoy that uh, retirement whatever that looks like and uh, we appreciate your time here on second amendment radio and the great outdoors buddy
3: thank you so much it's a joy to be
2: on here uh- all right, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. I can't believe you called my truck bow feet. Beau What's feet. wrong with
1: you? Bow <laughs> foot. I meant to say bow foot, and then I was thinking big feet, and I'm thinking I I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry, Bo. Yeah, and thanks a lot.
2: You. Big fish. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you just didn't know.
1: Where's the truck now? Whatever happened to it?
2: Uh, you know what? I sold it in 2018, and it now is a it's a, a marketing tool for a boat and RV storage. Actually, oh, no kidding. Uh, wow. in the area. Okay, so yeah, it's still chromed up, but uh, yeah. And actually, I think somebody told me it was the uh, maintenance manager of Lindbergh High School. Him and his oh. son bought it, or something. Wow. I don't know. There Who knows? Well, that's pretty but cool. It was a good run.
1: Somebody owns bowfoot, and just long as I've got the name right, we're in good shape. All right, com- <laughs> com- coming up, we've we've been talking indoors with Monster Jam. We're going to go back outdoors because before long, and you know, it's one of the first signs of spring. It's going to be spring training, the winter warm up for the Cardinals, taking place this weekend. We're going to get some inside baseball from Matt Pauley, who is the Sports Open Line host at KMOX. Coming up on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Second Amendment Radio and the great outdoors and and nothing gets you ready for the great outdoors and thinking about spring and spring training and baseball and of course uh, we know uh, the Cardinals getting ready for spring training this weekend they're having the winter warm-up and we've got Matt Pauley with us this morning from uh, KMOX Sports Open Line uh, to chat a little more about that. Matt, how you been my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, good. It's great to have you on. I mean, this is this is a busy, busy weekend for you, huh?
4: Yeah, it really is. But it's a great weekend. It's kind of the unofficial start of baseball season. Everybody's able to come together downtown and uh, enjoy the win, and, and throughout the Midwest as well, because the uh, the caravan's going on at the same time. So uh, there's just a lot going on baseball related. You're you're, you're going to need a warm up.
1: It's going to be three degrees.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, week. <laughs> We wish the weather was a little bit warmer, but at least we're going to be inside for the most part. So
1: so I, I know that this is a chance for fans to come out and meet some of the players and, and hear conversations about the team. Bef- before we get into all of that, what's your take? I, I get the opportunity to have Tom Ackerman on my show twice a week and you know i'm asking him about what else is mo going to do he interviews him all the time what's he going to do for is is there another pitcher in the in the stars here somewhere i know they signed one last week what's your take on all that are they done for the year they done shopping i think the roster at the start of spring training will look
4: very similar to what it looks like right now is there another small move here small move there to be made possibly You know, there's still a lot of free agents out there. At some point, some of these guys are going to be available on uh, minor league contracts that include an invite to spring training. I don't think there's likely to be another big move made. That being said, something can fall into your lap. You know, every time Ken Rosenthal talks about Dylan Cease from the White Sox, he mentions the Cardinals. And while I don't expect that to happen, if if the White Sox kind of mess around too long and all of a sudden – Everybody else that's interested in them goes a different route. Maybe that door opens. So I don't think there's going to be another big move this offseason, but that doesn't mean that for sure there won't be.
2: Yeah. Matt Bo Matthews here. Uh, you know, it could be just power of suggestion. Maybe he's a marketing genius, and he just uh, plants it out there when he talks about the Cardinals. Um, but you know, you look at uh, the fan base of the Cardinals, and then you look at last year and what happened. But you know what? The the fans are going to show up at the winter warmup because it's such a culture here, and we're so blessed to have it in St. Louis. Um, do you do you ever uh, get a chance to talk to the fans directly? And do they, like, open up with, you know, their honest feelings about the team, what happened last year, what they're going to do this year? Um, in, in, in lieu of being in front of players, they talk to Matt Pauly and they say, yeah, well, here's what's really got to happen.
4: Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because this weekend is a really good weekend to kind of remind yourself about who Cardinals fans are because doing yeah. what I do with sports open line and the post-game show – Quite honestly, the people I talk to a lot are people who are really upset or really negative about the team, yeah. and and you see that on social media as well. And then you get out to the warm up, and you get out to the various caravan sites, and you see all these people who just love the Cardinals, are excited about what's going on, and it kind of reminds you that you know sometimes when we're stuck in our little bubbles of social media and radio and everything, maybe we're not talking with the people who represent uh, you know the the overwhelming fan base of a team.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it is. People people get focused on it. Um I heard that ticket sales in the off-season were down a little bit this year. Uh, but we're we're kind of spoiled. I mean, I I had just have to say. I mean, I I grew up in Cincinnati as as a young kid. I've lived here for thirty years, but people in Cincinnati were spoiled by the big red machine, and they did well for so long up until the the early nineties, and then things just kind of dropped off. And uh, that you know that's not always fun, easy for fans to accept. They're ready every year for this team to compete for at least late into the playoffs, if not in the World Series?
4: Yeah, I think there's two things going on there. There's nothing wrong with having high expectations of a team. Right. And Cardinals fans have very high expectations of the Cardinals. Uh, this is a team that openly competes for World Series championships. That's the goal on an every-year basis. So uh, holding the team to high standards, that that's totally fine. Um, but when something like last year happens, I also think it's okay. you should be able to take a step back and say, okay, this was an anomaly, this is a rare thing, this doesn't happen very often, and that's where I think some people are a little bit off base. Now if it happens again, then it's a different conversation to be had. Yeah. But they've got a pretty good track record. Last year, a lot of mistakes were made, they had a lot of bad luck, the roster was not put together the way you would have liked it to have been put together, but let's see what happens this year.
1: Yeah, not to be one of those fans you were talking about, but I will ask this: I watch what happened to the Blues, and I see the you know baruby has gone, and they're hoping for changes. Um, I, I how how much does Moselock's feet need to be held to the fire here? Because you know it, it, ultimately Ali Marmel is not the one out building his staff for next year, he's got to have management going out and being willing to open up the, the checkbook and, and bring in a couple of big-name pitchers or whoever, whatever position they're in need of the most. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's often the, the field coach that takes the heat for that. Um, what what has Mo's reaction been in terms of that, as far as from your perspective?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think they realized that what happened last year was largely connected to the roster not being put together in a correct way and they've yeah. tried to fix that as as best as they can. I don't think anybody has run away from from culpability. Now, if if they have another year this year like they did last year, I think at that point Oliver Marmol's job would be in trouble just because you can't be the manager of a team in St. Louis that does that in back-to-back years. But I'm with you. I, I don't I don't think Oliver Marmol is the one to blame for last year. If we want to assess blame, I think you put most you, you look at the way uh, the roster was put together. That being said, you know Mo's tenure with the Cardinals really is coming to an end. He signed that three-year extension before last year, and all indications are that that's probably going to be it for him. He has done so much for the organization over his tenure. I don't think I don't think his job is in trouble at any point uh, anytime soon. But I think that's more connected to here in the next two years or so. There's probably going to be somebody else running the baseball operation, anyways.
2: Matt Pauly is our guest from KMOX's Sports Open Line uh talking about uh the car, St. Louis Cardinals and Cardinals care. Um you know, in the previous segment, uh Matt, you don't you don't know this, but we had Tom Entz on from Monster Jam and that sport is all about the fans. And I think that sometimes uh, the Cardinals can uh you know, big you know, the uh upstairs office forget sometimes. Maybe not, but, but they they almost uh, are so focused on the team that the experience for the fans change. Now, every year, the radio luncheon, we always get to see the new menu offerings and, you know, experiences at the at the stadium. But this event this weekend, the 27th annual winter warm-up, is really about the fans. So can you talk to some of the experiences people will have that maybe have never been to the winter warm-up and think, you know what, we're raising our kids as Cardinals fans. Let's go to this thing. Tell them what's, uh, what's going to be happening there and what they're going to see.
4: Yeah, so it's a three day event. It goes on all weekend long. And, you know, the, the autographs are a big part of this. Um, that's, and, and some of these cost a little extra money to do the autographs because of, uh, you know, that, that money goes to, does go to Cardinal Care. Uh, so much focus on the autograph sessions. There's so much more going on, though. Uh, when you go, uh, you're able to go into the Cardinals Clubhouse, you're, the Clubhouse Tour is part of it uh the hall of fame museum that's part of it there's presentations and programs that are going on all weekend long between ballpark village and bush stadium there's auctions going on uh you know camo x is broadcasting live inside of cardinal nation throughout uh the course of the weekend so uh, just no matter where you go between bush stadium ballpark village there's stuff that's going to be a lot of fun that fans can enjoy and uh, the, the autographs and the auctions are really the only things that cost a little bit extra. Everything else comes with your ticket.
1: Yeah, and the, and the players are always such good sports about that, too. I mean, I've had taken my kid—I've never been to the winter warm-up, I'll just have to admit, uh, but but I did take him to spring training uh, on several occasions, and that there's nothing like the look in a kid's eye when he sees the player that he's been watching and idolizes and is able to stand in line and walk up to the table and get an autograph.
4: You know, yes, and— <laughs> I still think one of the, um, you know, it was mostly negative impacts of COVID, but I I actually think one of the positive impacts of COVID, I've noticed this with baseball players, after they played a year without fans, I think baseball players are even more appreciative of fans now than they've ever been before. And I do think it's connected to how just wretched and horrible that year was. Um, Oh, man. And and I, I see it all the time where players truly are appreciative of the support they get from fans.
2: Absolutely. It's all about the fans and it's all about the fans, you know, spending their hard earned money to go see these games. But man, you just gave me a flashback. I did not want to experience, <laughs> but I, I will Sorry. say that, uh, that no, 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 that, uh, the world wrestling, uh, uh the Federation and not WWF, whatever WWE. Now, uh, they, they did it the best. They were the first ones to put TV screens in their audience. You remember that? That was just, yeah. to me, the craziest thing. But, they, you know, the fans were able to sit there on their TV screen and watch a thing. But, yeah, that's got to be so weird that, you know, the players went out there, played their hearts out. But if you don't have the, the crowd, you know, it's, it's like a rock star, like Sammy Hagar. He, how cool is he going to be if he has no Mark Cox in the audience to scream him along?
1: Thank you. That's a, you that's know, a great you question. You need Mark Cox.
2: <laughs> that's Matt, right.
1: Matt, I, you know, I just, just wanted to ask – on the subject of these players appreciating the, the kids that come out to these things, I saw a, a picture the other day on Facebook of of Mickey Mantle in uh, Yankee Stadium. I think it was he, taking he he was hitting a a snowball like there was snow on the field, and he was celebrating just signing his monster sixty thousand dollar contract. <laughs> and you you compare that to. To players these days that are signing seven hundred million dollar contracts like Otani, right? Um, it, it, what, what are the players still grounded? I mean, are, are some of them out of touch these days because of the amount of money we're talking? I some are, but I
4: think the vast majority are not. And we also need to remember, yeah, the the seven hundred million dollar contract that Shohei Otani gets gets the headlines. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that a million dollars a year isn't a lot of money. Clearly it's a lot of money. It's more money than, than, than I'll probably ever make. Um, but that it's not money that when they're done, they're never going to have to work again. You know, a lot of these guys are, um, making, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars per year and, they um, they're early on in their careers and you know a lot of them again I, I, people always accuse me of you know trying to make it sound like they're not making a lot of money <laughs> that, that's not what I'm doing but this, they don't make as much money maybe as people feel like they do the vast majority of them and I do think m- many of them are still pretty humble. <laughs> Pretty grounded, pretty understanding of how cool it is what they get to do on an everyday basis.
2: Well, I- yeah, uh, you know when I came to town, like Mark, I've been here a long time. I got here in '88, and I don't remember what year it was, but maybe '89. Somebody had a faxed copy of an Ozzy Smith paycheck for two weeks, and I remember <laughs> it was like eighty-five thousand dollars. So that—that's a paycheck. That's one yeah, paycheck. That's Nice, yeah. And that was, uh, the- but- we,
4: we would all take that for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, again. I, I hate going down this path because they are—they're very blessed and they're not hurting for money. When you think about uh, what they're doing in terms of the money they spend on training, their agents, things like that, it, some of these guys are not making quite as much money as it feels like they—it feels like they are. If that
1: makes sense. Well, uh, Matt, we certainly appreciate your time. Have a fantastic weekend at the uh, winter warm-up, and uh, we look forward to an update afterwards. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Matt yeah. Pauley there from X Sports Open Line talking about the winter warm-up.
2: And if you want more information, go to mlb.com slash cardinals slash fans slash winter warm-up. That's winter-warm-up, and uh, you can still be a part of it no matter what time you see or listen to this, uh, this radio program. Yeah, I, I so, don't
1: know if it's a sellout or not. I don't think so. I'm sure you can probably still get in down there.
2: Maybe. Maybe there's some scalpers. Weekend. Who knows?
1: yeah ballpark village maybe
2: it's a big place. Place. maybe mookie's down there you hey, guys know mookie.
1: mookie i do not know, you know mookie.
2: mookie the scalper I, I do not maybe i need mookie to know scal- him does he sell <laughs> Sammy <guy>, Hagar tickets <laughs> he could get you front row tickets to elvis i mean this guy's got everything <laughs> anyway all right well uh stay warm boys
1: yeah that's you're, it. you're gonna need it that's gonna do it for this edition of uh of second amendment radio the great outdoors you don't want to be outdoor this weekend Probably
2: okay, big fishy. I might go. I might fishy. go
1: hunting this weekend. It's going to be cold, very.
2: Cold. Seriously, you're going hunting in this? I'm,
1: I might be hunting. Uh, I'm going to go get me something. a five
2: dollar Costco chicken. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next
0: weekend. Pew pew. See you, boys. Get more at ninety seven one